0: Following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network. Hands the feet. He's to the ten. The five. Touchdown! Oh, and oh what a touchdown! Evans up the middle to the five into the end zone touchdown eastern michigan straight from the 734 it's the blue cross blue shield eastern insider podcast presented by the foaling warehouse your weekly chance to get in on the action now let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all greg steiner and tom helmer
1: Another week, another strong performance for EMU overall. You look at it, Tom, men's basketball finds a way to win. Gymnastics posts its best score of the year. Track goes out. Uh, we've got so many great things that we can talk about on this episode. And we got some great guests lined up today, too. We have some great guests. And don't forget women's basketball. They actually took two
2: L's, but they've actually made progress. They took Kent State to the wire at Kent and then hung for a long time with one of the best teams in the country in Ball State. So they took a couple L's, but they're ready to be a wrecking ball in February. So there's a lot of good things going on.
1: I I do have to ask you, one of the things that we've noticed from from the women's basketball perspective is uh, they've realized that, okay, you can't have the up and down games and, and really push tempo. We saw that against Toledo. They slowed the pace. Against Kent State, they really slowed the momentum for them. And they used it for uh, for a good momentum piece of that uh Ball State game. But the Cardinals uh right now one of the best teams in America with their lo- with their winning streak uh in top 7 nationally, but they just found a lot of firepower late.
2: That they put on that full court press too and it was interesting during the first media timeout with 4.55 to play in the first quarter. I think that's when Eastern Michigan realized what kind of fight they were in because early on, first couple baskets, Ball State kind of backed off defensively. Then they brought on this full-court pressure, and Eastern was a little jarred at first, broke it a couple times, turned it over a couple times. They got that timeout. and they're like, all right, you can explain to us the fight, but once we see it, now we know what's happening. They were only down one after the first quarter. They were down nine and a half. They got outscored by one in the third quarter. It's the fourth quarter that got away from them. But it's like the football teams we used to see go against Alabama. You know, Alabama plays at one level for 60 minutes. And if you don't match that and you drop off a little bit, that's where they pull away. And I think that's what we saw in that Ball State game. But it's a... It's a team that Keisha Blanton has playing very good against teams, especially that run sets and certain plays, and they know the tempo they want to play basketball at, and their mindset is, if we can get it going here, starting with the game against Western Michigan on Wednesday, and kind of become this wrecking ball over the course of February then we're going to be a problem for people headed into March.
1: Well, I think uh, Katie Hemp and I was out for their shoot around when they were getting ready for the ball state game. And she said, she challenged them and said, this is a, a road that there's no easy path through Cleveland, but She's like, the memories of our fight to get there are what you're going to remember at this point. And and they've really shown that fight. And one of the pieces that I really think has come on, granted it's been a slow recovery since her injury, is Treasure Thompson. She had a fantastic first half in that contest. And really, if you can get that piece of the puzzle figured out and have Thompson, Miles, and Eke, uh, I don't think there are many teams in the league that have a, a one, two, three punch like that in the post. No, I agree with
2: you. And it was funny because Sonera Skanes, who's basketball royalty sat with me for a little bit during that women's game. And she goes, the one thing with treasure too, is I'm trading trying to get her to be more even keel too, because treasure can be an emotional player and she's trying to get her to level up, but she's so athletic that the way they're using her really gives them a little extra spark to that team. So they've got, they've got the right pieces. Um, And they can definitely do some damage in February. So it'll be fun to watch, not to mention, I mean, the storyline there is you have an interim head coach who's really trying to fight to prove that her and her staff who really want to be here deserve to have the job. So they're playing literally for their professional lives here at Eastern Michigan. So everybody's in it together. They all feel good about where the team is, despite the record currently, and they feel like they can do something good.
1: On the men's side, they pick up a much-needed win over Buffalo. You knew something had to give. Both sides had come in off on losing streaks. But you get Sonic going, and uh, Acuff has the rebound performance after a, a tough midweek game against Western. So great things for them, but they now get a buzzsaw in Akron, who's going to come a little feisty following a loss at Miami.
2: Yeah, their first loss in conference play. So they will definitely be angry when they come to the George Gervin Game Above Center to play. I don't know if Eastern can beat them or not. But on the back end of that, you have Northern Illinois on Saturday who has yet to win a conference game. So even if you take one on the chin on Tuesday, you can still get right back up and on track on Saturday. But that's a game against Buffalo. You lose that game. It just spirals out of control. You got to beat Buffalo. You got to beat Northern Illinois. You got to beat the teams at the bottom of the pile. And Buffalo, they let them hang around a little longer than I thought they were going to. And I was also surprised to see—I didn't know—and I feel old. Anquan Bolden's son is on that basketball team for Buffalo.
1: Yeah, he was actually. It came down to choosing between Eastern and Buffalo at the last moment. He decided to to go to with the Bulls instead of the Eagles. Well,
2: with the transfer portal, we still may see them in the green, green and yeah, white. You never know the way people move around. But, uh, yeah, Buffalo's got a mix. Even, the, you know, they they had five holdovers from last year's team. Everybody else, one graduated and the rest all scattered in the portal. Then of the eight new players Buffalo brought in, only one had Division I experience. He played at Missouri State. They got a J.C. guy and five true freshmen. Um, they didn't bring in a lot of help, and they – are having trouble with the old and the new meshing together. So it's going to be a rough adjustment for Hulkovich and his squad to kind of get it straightened out.
1: One month remaining in the season right now, Stan, Heath and company. They would be the 10 seed, uh, which is on the outside looking in if the season ended today, uh, some teams in front of them though, that they'll get opportunities to play uh, is really everybody. You figure uh Kent State, Buffalo, or, or excuse me, Kent State and Ball State right above them at three wins apiece, and then Miami and Ohio at four, and you'll see them again. Uh, this is still a team that, if they get hot at the right moment, could make that tap, top eight. It helps when Sonia playing
2: better, too, and he's gotten into a better headspace, so he was able to hit some three-pointers in that, and um it feels like as the year goes on, injuries and other things, the roster kind of gets whittled down, but they still have the core they need to get those type of victories. So, and when you're out at shoot-arounds, do they ever let you play? Like if you go out, you know, do they throw you the rock and let you play a little?
1: Yeah, they don't. No, uh, they, <laughs> don't, I've no. had one, one time, uh, yes, back when Torrey Verdi was still the head coach, he would always, Uh, challenge a different support team member at shoot-around to to make a basket before they were allowed to leave. So, uh, I've got called out there, but thankfully not in recent years. (laughs) I'm better at... I know they beat Ohio
2: when they played down there. Manager's Uh, team versus manager's team.
1: I was going to say, they don't call out the broadcaster to start shooting hoops either, right?
2: I don't think any of us would have the ability to get up and down the court and really do much with that.
1: I don't know. I think uh, compared to the athleticism around the rest of the other 11 broadcasters in the league, I think you could be right up there. I mean, you're I'm one of the top the athletes country. among broadcasters. I dig that. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate so. that. <laughs> I would say so. Uh, we talked about it uh, a little bit. You met, talked to him earlier in the year. Ryan Kuchera kicks up his first Eastern Michigan win as head tennis coach as they sweep past a pair of uh, Division II foes. They swept Ferris in two matches and also got Hillsdale. So they are in the win column. And then gymnastics back home this week following a big uh, win over NIU and CMU. They'll get Western Michigan at home on Friday night. And then it's basketball on the road this weekend. Uh, One thing that we didn't touch on last weekend or last week in the show, the notes that came out, was the Sunbelt Challenge uh, pairings have been released. Eastern Michigan men will go to Monroe, Louisiana, and then it's women's basketball getting none other than South Alabama to come. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the
2: folks in Mobile know who Eastern Michigan is. So that women's team will come up here and they'll have to uh, see what they can do against uh, Eastern Michigan. But uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, Louisiana the men. Monroe, do you, have you ever been there? like uh, you Louisiana to- Monroe? Yeah.
2: No, it's all, that would be not on purpose. No, I don't think anybody goes there unless they really have to, right? It's tough to get to.
1: You have to go through Shreveport and then drive, I
2: heard. I don't even know, like, where in the state it is. I'll be honest with you. I don't know where Monroe is.
1: As one of our student athletes would say, it's in Louisiana.
2: It's it is in Louisiana.
1: Yeah, we we uh we
2: we've been to Louisiana. We have. Who did we play there a year or two ago? Lafayette. We played Lafayette. That's right. Yes, we stayed in Baton Rouge. That's the Ragin' Cajuns. Yes. They're all raging Cajuns down there. That's true. I like their food, so they can ship any Cajun food. That's good. I'm, listen, I'm pro-food a lot of places around the country. I haven't run into some really
1: bad food locations yet. Speaking of uh, upcoming schedules, we did get the e- the max release of the 24 through 26 schedules. Uh, what do you think of Eastern's upcoming opponents for this year, Tom? I think it's a good
2: schedule. So road wise, you got to go three of the four road games are in Ohio, and the other one is Western Michigan. So you go to Ohio, Kent State, and Akron, and you got to go to Western Michigan. Um, your pod is central and western. So you got central coming here, you got Toledo coming here. I thought it was a fair schedule. I don't look at that and think like, oh man, this is really a bad draw. I mean, they don't have to play, and you don't have to go to northern Illinois for three years, right. So I thought it was good. What did you think of the layout?
1: I, I don't mind it. I mean, you get Buffalo, a team at home uh, that you played last year. It'll be an interesting matchup considering uh, the Bulls' former quarterback will assumingly be playing in that game. And then Miami, the defending term, uh, champion, uh, is always a tough out, and then add Ohio in there, who we haven't seen in a few years, but not going to be the same Ohio team after Rourke is gone. So, uh, uniqueness there, and Kent and Akron are always easy trips. I don't mind that. Hopefully, uh, they're midweek. I just don't want Ohio on a midweek. That could be a tough one for us.
2: That's we did that a uh, couple years ago, where we played at Kent State and Ak- We did that uh two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. And they were both midweek games. Yep. So I don't yeah. mind that you hop right on the turnpike. No big deal. Yeah. It's not the only place you really got to travel to is Ohio. It's a four hour drive. Other than that, it's it's those other places aren't tough to get to.
1: Not too tough to, but a uh, schedule that is tough is baseball. They will start out in just about 17 days. We caught up with first year coach, Robbie Britt to get his thoughts Uh, A guy that comes up from the ranks has been at the Division II level at University of Charleston in West Virginia, now getting the reins there uh, to turn around a program. And he says all the right things as as being a leader and a motivator. And I think that's exactly what Eastern Michigan needs right now. I think that's exactly what they
2: need. and. It seems uh, in the baseball players I've talked to are responding to his style of coaching. I think everybody's amped up for this season and they feel like good things can happen. So it's just it's just amazing to believe with the weather outside. It's like baseball's here.
1: We are. Uh, yeah, baseball's here. And I Like to said, a few days they started practice on Friday and then before we know it, uh, Major League Baseball pitchers and catchers. I think their opening days are like 50-some days away. And the and the EMU
2: baseball rule now with Robbie Britt is if it's over 35, we're outside. We're outside. Their shovels ready in case they need to shovel the outfield or infield or whatever. But they're like – but we talked to uh, Hugo. Yep, Logan. Oh, Hugo. Logan Hugo. And he said, listen, you got to be outside. Like when they went down last year to Alabama – and we're shagging fly balls to get ready for that game. He goes, "You, it was weird seeing the ball up in the air because you're indoors or you're doing different things. So you need to see the ball come off the bat. You need to be used to fielding the ball after a couple months of being indoors. So it's good to go outside.
1: It is good to be outside. It was nice just to be able to go outside and not see snow falling the other day here. Uh, And then our other conversation of the day is Paige Marchant uh, from Indoor Track and Field. She already ran cross country as well. A unique conversation because uh, she's Canadian. But more importantly, her brothers go to a French school and speak entirely French, but she does not. She can't speak French. Yet, she does want you to, the last
2: name is Marchand, so you got to give it that French leaning pronunciation, but she speaks English. Her two little brothers speak French. She's from uh, London, Ontario, which is about two and a half, three hours away, depending on how much trouble they give you at the border to come across. But she's fascinating to talk to, very intelligent person, great athlete, runs cross country, runs track. One of the things she likes running about cross-country, and she'll talk about it, in the U.S. is it's shorter. It's an 8K up in Canada. It's right. a 6K down in the U.S. So the race is a little bit shorter. And uh, she talked about it, She She tried. Her dad kind of got her into running, and she hated it early on because she was so good at it that she quit. <laughs> It was too much pressure. She was like, I won all the time. It was so much pressure. Um, Oh, oh, if we could all have those problems.
1: Um, What is is she, Patrick Mahomes?
2: Yeah, listen, I can't take all this. Uh, Taylor Swift's coming to it, or I I guess it would be a Canadian singer would come to hers. uh, Celine Dion. Celine Dion, yeah. Michael J. Fox was showing up. There was a lot going on out there.
1: Uh, One interesting note on page. She's the only female freshman in Sioux Park's 18-year tenure here at Eastern Michigan to collect first-team All-Mac honors in cross-country. That's saying something.
2: That is saying something. And that's one of the reasons she came to Eastern Michigan. She goes, I wanted a coach who was established and a coach that was going to be there for my college career. And I got those assertions from her that she would be here. And so she was very excited to come to Eastern Michigan. She goes, like, it was a no-brainer for me.
1: No brainer. We, uh, we've talked probably 15 minutes. We know people want to uh, get to the interviews and why they know that we're great, man. We're like chocolatey goodness. We are. We have so much goodness. <laughs> You've got plenty of opportunities to listen to us this week on Real Radio 2, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Saturday. Right, Tom? That's right. We'll have uh, men's
2: basketball on Tuesday as Eastern Michigan takes on Akron. Wednesday night, it's women's basketball. I've asked Sonara Scanes to join me on the broadcast because she has so much good insight into this team as they play Western Michigan. Coverage starts at 6.50. And then Saturday, the men are at NIU out in beautiful DeKalb, which is beautiful this time
1: of year. I get to make the trip with you, right? Yeah, you do. Cut. So we'll be get to we'll you. Get to there. yeah. We'll oh, get you you get to buddy. Hey, fatties, we gotta gotta get some fatties. What did you call me? Oh yeah, the restaurant. Yeah, the re- restaurant. <laughs> no, no. you're, you're far from that. We've already discussed your athletic ability.
2: I can do four push push-ups in a row. We know that, Greg. That's how I get free desserts at restaurants.
1: Yes, that's true. We- at
2: Northern Illinois, your that's what I did. It was four, in four Naperville ahead of me. Yeah, if people don't know the story, we were in Naperville. We were staying there for the NIU game for football. And I always like to try and angle for a free dessert. I mean, I'll pay for it, but if I can get it for free, it's better. And I told the waitress at uh, the restaurant, I can do four push-ups in a row. She goes, four? I go, if I do it, can I get a free dessert? She's like, yeah. And so my son was having dinner with us too, because he's been working with the athletic training staff. And uh, he videotaped me doing the push-ups and sent it to my wife. And My wife was like, so this is what you do on road trips, push-ups in restaurants, For free brownies and hot fudge sundays, I go. Yeah, that's exactly what I do.
1: Well, and Rob Rubick was at the other end of the table and didn't know what was going on and thought something was wrong with you that you're on the floor. (laughs) He thought you were told me to get up. He's like, "What are you doing? Get up off the floor!" (laughs) Like I'm getting a free brownie, man. Free brownies. We'll have more free brownies, uh, hopefully, with uh, each Eastern Michigan win. So, uh, Tom, we'll take we'll hit the road, take a timeout, and then back on the other side. Paige Marchant on the Eastern Insider presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield and the Folling Warehouse. Are you ready? Ready to find the right care that works for you? Care that connects you to what you need anytime, anywhere, and fits best with your lifestyle. Whether it's in person or in your pajamas, online or over the phone, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan connects you to the care you need when you need it most. With the largest network of doctors and hospitals, an easy-to-use mobile app, and a 24-hour nurse line, Because we're always ready to help. Learn more about Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan at bcbsm.com.
0: It's here. Bowling Warehouse. And sports will never be the same. Bowling combines the best of bowling and football. But you don't have to be good at either to have a great time at the Bowling Warehouse. Ipsy Ann Arbor's newest place to play is now open. 20 lanes, 2 bars, over 100 beers. The Folling Warehouse at the corner of Washtenaw Golfside Side in Ypsilanti, where everyone comes to play. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room. And that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. Joining me now, Paige Marchand. Did I say that correctly? You did. Is it French? Yeah. Does your
2: family speak French?
3: Um, my brothers, my little brothers are actually fluent, um, but I'm not.
2: How can the little brothers be fluent, but you're not fluent in French? How did that skip?
3: <laughs> they go to an all-French school, so there's no English. And I went to like a, an English school with like some French classes, so I just kind of forgot.
2: So we, we just kind of forget. That's all right. I've taken a ton of Spanish. Yeah. I don't know any of it. Um, we should let people know you're mm-hmm. from London, Ontario, yes. which is about two and a half to three hours away from here, yeah. as we've said, depending on the border on the and border. whether you can get over. Have yeah. you ever had issues at the border? Because I have.
3: Yes. It takes sometimes it's like you're in and out or sometimes you're there for an hour. Like there's no in between.
2: I accidentally got in the wrong lane once. So I got in the lane with the trucks. Okay. And if you want to see a lot of police cars, get in the wrong lane. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so how do you choose to come from London, Ontario, mm-hmm. to run at Eastern Michigan?
3: Well, I've always wanted to run in America. There's definitely, like, more opportunity to run here than than at, in Canada. And also cross-country in Canada is 8K instead of 6K. So, like, the extra 2K really was like, I'm um, I'm running in America.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different race when you got to run an 8K yeah. instead of a
3: 6K, isn't it? Yeah, and I just, yeah, just getting seen here is a lot, like, you get a lot more... Um, views on you than you would in Canada. And I like the coaching and you get to travel, like traveling in Canada too for races, like you would travel to like Saskatchewan or like Manitoba and it's cold. Yes. But here we get to travel to like Florida or like California. Like I would like, I saw the opportunity. Like I had to take it.
2: So warmer weather, shorter distance. It's a lot better for cross country, yes, isn't it? For sure. What do you like about running cross country?
3: Uh, I think I like the mental part of it. It's um, anyone can go out, run 6k, but to like kind of keep a strong pace for, for 6k is really hard to do mentally. And I think that's what I really enjoy about running is the mental side of it.
2: You were named first team all Mac. You finished in fifth place in the women's 6k Mm -hmm. at the Mac championships. What did that mean to you?
3: Um, You know, what? it was bittersweet, but it was awesome to do that for the team and stuff for Sue and everything. But fourth, Fourth place was a freshman, and I really wanted freshman of the meet, and she just beat me. But it, I was grateful that I came fifth, and it was just awesome to do that with the team. And we came second overall, so it was – it was a, I didn't, ex- like, expect to come fifth either. I was hoping for a top ten finish, so fifth was just awesome as a freshman. How close
2: did you finish to fourth? How much did she beat oh, you by? Oh, I,
3: like, I had her, like – the gap was, like, this, and then I, like, I closed it. It was – she probably beat me by, like, half a second – I like, we like dipped and she just got me. <laughs> dipped, is that
2: a term or just, she just kind of dipped past like you? Like we
3: both, we kind of put on like our Oh, you dipped like, and yeah. like for the
2: line and she just got you right there.
3: Yeah, yeah, but.
2: It's all about the kick, I think, right? Yeah,
3: it is, it is.
2: See, that's a running term. <laughs> See, I know some things, <laughs> right? Know, yeah. Now, you don't only just run cross country. No. You also do indoor track.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, those are two different animals, really, aren't they?
3: Yeah, track and cross country are, are significant, significantly different, I think.
2: What, what do you like about track? In cross-country, I think it's a different mentality. You're kind yeah. of running a distance. Different things are passing you. When you're running on a track, it's a whole different mindset, isn't it?
3: Yeah. I just like the speed of it. It's a lot faster for sure. It's two minutes of a race instead of 20 minutes. Right. Right. And, then, and just the atmosphere too. Like The team dynamic of track is just awesome compared to cross-country, I think.
2: Did you know when you came to Eastern Michigan, I'm going to do both?
3: Yeah, I was told I had to do both. Like, if you do 800 meters and up, you kind of have to do cross-country. It just kind of builds your season. So builds your enough. stamina,
2: builds your, your fitness. It's yeah. like it's a, like a year-round training, if yeah. you will.
3: And everyone does it, so it's kind of like a disadvantage if you didn't, almost, right? To yourself, so.
2: Do you prefer one over the other?
3: Um, I always say cross-country. Like, I'm in the season, I'm like, I hate this. But then I'm doing <laughs> track, I'm like, oh, I want to do cross-country, so... I think I like them pretty similar. They're, they're good in different ways.
2: One of the reasons that you wanted to run cross-country here, Sue Parks, yeah. who's been here a long time. Yeah. It was important to you mm-hmm. that you come mm-hmm. and know, not only is this an established coach,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but she's going to be here for a while, wasn't yeah. it?
3: Yeah, it's nice to represent her well. And, yeah, she's a great coach.
2: When did you know, like, all right, I'm going to Eastern. And they're like, listen, we want you to run for us. That yeah. had to be an exciting call.
3: Yeah, I, I was... Started like my recruiting process last year a little late and I, I committed kind of late. I committed like March last year.
2: Because you just wanted to big time them a little bit?
3: what big time
2: I'm like yeah hey, I'm kind of a big deal I'm gonna to wait to commit that kind of thing
3: I was just like I was just nervous my parents like don't really know what the NCAA is like at all okay. like they're still really new to this they don't really know what running is either too much so <laughs> well listen
2: we all know what running is yeah. right you're in a hurry you run somewhere yeah but right. like
3: making a decision to come to a school in a different country for four years of your life is like a big decision so yeah. making the decision to come here took me a took me a while like a lot of pros and cons I had to weigh out
2: and so your parents are probably not athletes
3: um, not so much. No.
2: Okay. So what, what drove you to running? What did you like about that young age? Cause a lot of kids are like, mm-hmm. I don't want to run. It's, no. it's just, it's not fun.
3: Funny story. I, I actually played soccer for 12 years and I did track and my dad would have to, I practiced three days a week and then my dad would drag me. Like I did not want to go. <laughs> like he dragged me like two years ago. I started taking it really serious, but before that I just didn't want to go. And my aunt's actually a runner. Her name's Lanny Marchant. She, um, went to the Rio Olympics for the marathon in the 10k. So I, I get my running from her. That sure. is
2: such a subtle, humble brag. Oh, by the way, one of my relatives ran in the Olympics. <laughs> but as I was saying, I picked it up a, a couple of years ago. Seriously. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like, I started doing it. I really didn't like it. My dad was like, okay, I'm not going to push you. And then I slowly like found the love for it for myself. And i just just stuck with it ever since. Yeah. When
2: did you know you were good at it? Like, was there a particular race where like, well, hold on a second here.
3: Yeah. So in grade nine, I like I won all of my races. I didn't like the pressure of winning, so I quit. And then grade 11, I came back and was like, oh, I'll try it again. And then I kept winning. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm like oh, actually kind of good. So so then I picked up again. So you
2: won all your races in ninth grade? Yeah. And it kind of bored you, so you're like, I'm not going to do this?
3: Yeah. I didn't like the pressure of winning, so I quit. <laughs>
2: I'm too good at this. I'm going to stop. <laughs> so Come back 11th grade and you keep winning again. And then it felt cool. Like, all right, there's something here. Yeah.
3: And then, because grade 11 was my first year doing track because of COVID. And I was like, oh, I really like track and field, not just cross country. Like, it doesn't always have to be 6K races. Like, I can right. do the eight and, like, the mile or something. So, that's wow. when I, like, really started liking it was track season two.
2: And when did you know, I, I want to do this in college. I want to keep this going.
3: I think it was kind of like last year I was like, I don't want to quit after high school. Like, I want to continue and keep getting better. And so my coach is like, yeah, we'll help you get recruited. And then I kind of just all folded in place.
2: You've had family run in the Olympics. Do you think that's something for you?
3: Uh, I like to take it year by year. I like I said, a goal, hit that goal, and then I'll focus on the next one. But that would be awesome if I could do that. That would be
2: awesome. Would be. Of course, you'd be on Team Canada, wouldn't you? Yeah. You wouldn't be on Team USA. I
3: wouldn't.
2: We can't get you to switch teams at all.
3: <laughs> can't do that.
2: You so. <laughs> can't do that. What are your goals for yourself as, as you go through your college career here?
3: I think to just enjoy the moment. Like, yeah, there's a lot of pressure going out every single race. But, you know, having fun and, like, making the most of every race. Not, like, always, like, putting so much pressure on myself. Just go out, have fun, turn left. And, yeah. <laughs> turn left. <laughs> That's
2: all <I> gotta do. <laughs> well, Paige, it's been wonderful to talk to you and uh, keep working on that French. Oh, I will. So you can communicate with your brothers there a little bit, <laughs> I but know, uh, I know, right? uh, it's been great to talk to you. We're glad to have you here at Eastern Michigan. You've had Thank a great you. career so far. So, so keep it up.
3: Thank you. All Thanks right. for having me.
1: This episode of the Eastern Insider podcast is brought to you by National Trails Bus, Safety, Comfort, Reliability. Come ride with us as well as Trinity Health. Trinity Health is the preferred health care provider of EMU athletics. Get top-tiered orthopedic and spine care to get you back in the game, as well as standard printing and design, the standard of excellence in design and print for small business.
0: You're listening to the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, presented by The Folding Warehouse, the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. Now let's get back to the action with Greg Steiner and Tom Helmer.
1: First year head coach, Robbie Britt, joins us here on the Eastern Insider. What an experience it's been for you in a whirlwind process. You join Eastern Michigan over the summer and we're just days away from baseball. How exciting are you to finally get out on the field?
4: Yeah, very excited. It has been a crazy year for us. and Just as a family, moving to a new state, experiencing this much snow for the first time, there's a lot of New in our in our family and, and in our baseball family as well. But that's been an exciting part for us, you know, and as we really look at a great past, a great tradition, something that drew us to Eastern Michigan, and then how we're going to put our own uh, spin and rendition on that as we move forward has been exciting. And I'm looking forward to starting team training on Friday and getting out there very soon.
1: We'll get into X's and O's and all that stuff, but got to start at the beginning. You're a guy that comes from Tennessee, has a family surrounded by athletics how did you first get involved in sports and baseball specifically
4: yeah i think about my childhood both my parents being in education a lot of our conversations at the dinner table from an early age were about leadership and team building and culture and it's something i look back now and i'm very thankful for that so you know growing up in sec country two parents that went to the university of tennessee There were many Saturdays spent up on Rocky Top and, um, you know, I fell in love with athletics. I really fell in love with coaches that made great impact. And I remember being a young kid, Philip Fulmer, who was the head football coach, took time to sign an autograph for me. And and that really set a lot of those wheels in motion. And so, uh, now that's what I enjoy doing. I, I really think about it as being the backstage and you're watching your actors and take a bow. And so for us, to be that person that helps somebody go to a place they didn't know they could go. It's really rewarding.
1: Your dad, a longtime educator, your brother's still a golfer at Austin P. Uh, when you look at how important sports is, how did
4: your parents instill that athletics helps you become a more well-rounded person? Yeah, it's the skills that we teach inside of our environment. And so I think about, you know, you can go get a college education anywhere. You can go play college sports at a lot of places, but really what we're trying to do in our program is give our guys a distinct competitive advantage, tools in their toolbox that are going to give them that competitive advantage when they go out into the real world. And so from my childhood, that was what a lot of the things my parents were trying to instill in us was your organizational skills and time management and uh, even things like financial literacy and car maintenance and all of those things that really do impact you when you become 31 year old and you got a family of your own. And so um, just really learning how to compete was something that they always emphasized competing against yourself. And my dad always talked about excellence, strive for excellence. And so that's what we talk about here. You know, we're not trying to be perfect. We're trying to chase our daily best. And so um, it's those things that really have drawn me to athletics. And that's really comes from my, my foundation with my parents. You
1: talk about sec and, and following and all those things. That's not the line of path for your progression, though. Maryville College, not exactly right on the beaten path of of stardom when people think of this is a place people go to get their athletic start,
4: right? Well, that's where you go if you can't play, and so <laughs> that, that's that's where I went, you know. And I was a roster filler at Maryville College and played it played amongst some really really talented players. You know, we had Nick Dean, who was a, a draft pick for us for the LA Dodgers, and I think about Zach Blonder, a lot of really talented players that. You know, found a great fit in the Smoky Mountains. But for me, it was, hey, that was the one place where they said I could be on the roster. And looking back at it, it was such a great experience because I got to do things that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do had I gone elsewhere. And Mariville was such a, a great spot to sort of round out my skill set, not only as a, a coach, but as an educator, as a teacher and as a human, as a person. So I'm very grateful for that start.
1: You got into teaching for a little bit before deciding to get the call to go to West Virginia at Charleston, and kind of the rest is history, but it wasn't a given all of a sudden that you were just gonna become a baseball coach, was it?
4: Had no, had no anticipation to get back into the college game. Really, when we made the move to go to Rossview High School, um, that's where my wife played, that's where she went to school. We were in her hometown. It's where she was the head softball coach. And so uh, I loved teaching U.S. history. And really, I think what we do as coaches is the same. My content area is just different. So I'm teaching life skills and character traits through the platform of baseball here, U.S. history back then. And uh, for us, it was uh, didn't apply for the job at Charleston. It it sort of just came about and we said, we're going to go through this process. And if this is where we're called to be, then we'll go. And that door was opened. And you look and you advance to now. And it, it very similarly, we said, hey, you know, I don't know. Never been to Michigan. Don't know what this is going to look like. But if the door's open for us, then, you know, we'll walk through it.
1: You heard the call come. I know you were on vacation when it was first like, hey, do you want to come interview for this job? What's going through your head at that moment of like, do I really want to leave a team that I've just led deep <clears throat> into a playoffs? We've done it consistently. I- I'm one of the best winners or active winners in Division II. What makes you want to make that jump?
4: Yeah, it didn't didn't make vacation very relaxing. Um, you know, we're scanning the transfer portal at the same time. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. But you're definitely excited. And um, I think about, you know, you, you're, you're trying to walk down that road and do what you're called to do and, and live out your purpose. And really the point that we got to as a family, as we're weighing out those options that you, you said, it's, you know, are you called to go live out your purpose somewhere else. And that's really where we got to. I mean, I think about those guys at Charleston and I still talk to a lot of them and you have great relationships with those those, those student athletes. They, we had done our job there. And so the opportunity to go take that um, program and that mission somewhere else was really exciting for us as a family. So didn't make it any easier, but it was definitely something that we're obviously excited about now
1: here with first year head baseball coach, Robbie Britt. As you look at this, uh, I was on your website the other day, uh, last night actually. And it says, one of your first lines, empowering leaders, inspiring excellence. I mean, it's a process. People have to buy into the whole ability to play baseball. It's a sport that's long. It's not something you excel at overnight. And to be a leader, uh, again also takes a process what is the the entire look for you to become
4: a good leader and a baseball player who that's a big question yeah i think when we talk about empowering leaders you know if you look at the word empower it's really equipping them with certain tools and so that's where i would argue i spend a lot of my time is trying to teach our teachers how to teach and our leaders how to lead and so leadership is influence and so the ability to influence people in a positive direction um, that takes a lot of work. And so for us, we've spent the vast majority of really uh, our fall just creating systems where our, our leaders can lead and our people want to move in that direction. And that's the one thing I'll say about our group that's super exciting and very encouraging is they are incredibly, if you want to say bought in, but, but they're great. They're a great group and they've been nothing but um, amenable. And they've really tried to Uh, go in the direction where we're leading them, which is exciting.
1: Recruiting, transfer portal, those are the lifebloods of any program. But I know one of the things that you really talk a lot about is our kind of guys. You don't want just any square peg to fit in your hole. And, And I think that you see that with another guy that is a head coach here, and maybe three words that describe him, passion, grit, and excellence too. I know you have a lot of similarities in that aspect with Chris Creighton that
4: you want guys that fit your system. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at, uh, even if you expand it out and you look at somebody like Dabo Sweeney or Nick Saban or guys that have had success in their profession, a lot of times they're not just getting the best players, but they're, they're super disciplined in recruiting. And I think that's what we want to do is be incredibly disciplined to get the right type of individuals, both from an on-field perspective, but also from an off-field perspective. How do they fit? Uh, what we're trying to instill. If if they wanna just come here for baseball, they're probably not gonna be a great fit because there's so many different elements that we're trying to bring into the program. If you're looking for a program, we call it a life program, where you can really transform and develop, then you're gonna be in a really good spot here. And you're gonna be in a place where you can develop more as a player too.
1: Your three pillars, graduate leaders, create champions, develop stewards. So you wanna be good in the classroom, good in the community, and really be a great person overall. Yeah.
4: Excellent. In those, Excellent. excellence in those arenas. That's what we talk about. And so, you know, you again, you can go get a piece of paper anywhere. But really graduating as a leader, you're walking into that classroom environment and you're walking across that stage with tools in your toolbox that give you that competitive advantage when you go to get a job, when you go to start a family. And then really, I think one of the great uh, exciting parts of being at Eastern is how much our community centers itself around our university. And I know for me, the ability and the platform that we have to go and use our time and talents in the Ipsy community uh, is really exciting. And so we've made that a huge focus of, hey, can we engage with our community? Can we paint the town green? And make sure that we're using our platform for good.
1: We're eight minutes, nine minutes into this interview. We've yet to talk anything truly <laughs> baseball. But that yeah. turns the attention now to your core philosophies. I mean, it's defense, it's pitching, and it's, it's base running. Because all three phases correlate to winning games. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just be back on your heels. You want to put the pressure on the opposition in a lot of different ways. How do you do that from a pitching perspective as well as a hitting
4: perspective? Well, you know, when I look at come to a place like Eastern Michigan, what most people would call a northern team, pitching and defense can show up every day. And so our ability to apply pressure by attacking the strike zone, throwing multiple pitches for strikes consistently, that's how you apply pressure to the offensive side of the ball. And then you play good defense behind that's gonna be able to show up every day as well. It's the old school adage of literally catch it and throw it. If you can catch it and redistribute it, you're gonna have a chance to be pretty successful. On the offensive side, we wanna win in all weather. So I've noticed sometimes the wind blows in at O O strike, sometimes it blows out, sometimes it blows across. So if you're living and dying by the long ball, there's gonna be days where it's really hard for you. So you gotta be able to change your ball flight, manipulate the barrel, not strike out, put balls in play, run the base as well, You've got to be a complete ball player.
1: Really, the addition of the pitch clock and and that that's now a bigger part of the game, when you're able to keep teams at bay because you're working so fast, how do you think that's going to change what, if another team's not very fast on getting a ball and pitching it, you could really start swiping some bases or just throwing them off their normal routine because of that.
4: Sure, you're always looking to take advantage of some of those different areas of the game. I would argue, too, that's where the mental game and really some of the tools that you're, you're helping to equip your players with really come into play because now you've got to process information at such a quick pace you don't have time to linger you don't have time to step out and go through a whole routine now you have to process those emotions and those feelings really rapidly and the teams that are able to do that the best and get back to their frequency is what we call it those are the teams that are going to have consistent success
1: not going to be your normal what you've seen of eastern michigan in the past but I know you've got some connections with the Savannah Bananas. It's not going to be quite that crazy either, but talk, explain to us kind of your connection to the bananas, but also you've got a great connection back to Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt, too.
4: Yeah, you know, with, with the bananas, Tyler Gillum, who's their head coach, Tyler and I, we've worked camps together. We sort of grew up in the profession, and he's just. Taken off. I mean, to see him living out his mission is super exciting. But I think the the part that I love about the bananas is not the backflips and the, the guy throwing pitches on stilts, it's the fans first mentality. And so when I think about our opportunity here to grow a program to protect the past, honor the present, prepare the future. A lot of that comes down to our game day experience, you know, and serving our fans, serving our community, not just by playing good baseball, but making them feel like they're here for an experience that goes beyond that field. And one of the things I learned from Tim Corbin that goes along with that is when you put great energy out into the world, it's the boomerang effect. That energy comes back onto the field, into your players, and and it helps them to play with more excitement too. So, you know, I look forward to seeing that hopefully play out on the field. And I know we got a great marketing team, great media relations group. You know, those guys are going to put us in a position to have success.
1: Final few moments here with Robbie Britt. You see this picture of O-Strike behind us. Mm -hmm. One of the great things that Scott Weatherby and Andy Rowden have talked about is making an impact on all facilities. O-Strike Stadium was kind of one of the facilities that hasn't been touched yet, but this Champions uh, Phase 2 will certainly impact your sport in a lot of different ways. How exciting is that to know that this grand stadium is going to get a refresh?
4: Yeah, well, it's historic, O-Strike Stadiums, the way I refer to it. I mean, I don't know if that's, it's probably unofficial, but that's how I refer to it. I mean, it is a place where there have been a lot of big games played, a lot of championships won. And that was, again, one of the exciting parts for us to come to Eastern was just the tradition, the foundation is, is there. And so now to bring that into the present and to really set ourselves up Uh, in recruiting and with our current student-athlete development, it's super exciting. And when we look at player development, player experience, and then fan experience, those are the three layers. I really think this project taps into all three of those. We'll get into finding
1: out more about your team, talking specific players, as we get closer to first pitch. But one thing that everybody is kind of anticipating is, is that first series. You're going to Belmont, you open the year for a place that you happen to also meet your wife. What a straight yeah. a coincidence that you happen to open there for your first Division One game.
4: Yeah, really uh, a cool moment for us as a family. My wife and I, we met there on a blind date 11 years ago and she was a softball player at Rose Park or at, at Belmont. And um, so to see that, you know, when I first got the job here and now you look at we've been married, we've got three young children and to go back to where she had such a great experience um, is really cool for me. And I've played against those guys before. Coach Jarvis, he's a mentor to me, somebody that's been there forever, somebody that I lean on and have relied on as a young coach coming up through the profession. Um, it's, it's very exciting. And so more than anything, I'm excited for our team to get out and to, to finally get to attack somebody else in a different colored uniform. And um, although there'll be a lot of emotion for me going back to that place, I'm really excited to take on this new challenge with a a new team.
1: We're excited you're here. We're so thankful that your family's here, and we look forward to a big season. We've got plenty more content coming up on EMUEagles.com as well as social media, but you'll want to get to the stadium and make sure you're checking out his team. We'll have plenty of coverage on All Access as well, all home games back on the docket and some road games there we're working on too. Robbie? Thanks for being here and look forward to learning more about the team. Thank you.
0: There's only one podcast in Washtenaw County that takes you inside the athletic department every single week. The Eastern Insider Podcast, your home for all things Eastern all the time. This has been another edition of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your home smart device for all of our episodes on demand.